it's not really about balance. It's really putting the thing together and calling it work-life fusion. I involve my children and my wife in the things I care about, but I also involve myself in the things that matter to them. And so what I talk to people about is not really managing your time, but managing your energy level. And the way to do that is to get good sleep, to be mindful of the things you care about, and also doing things like exercise and eating right. And that's what you can do. You can control the amount of energy you have. And if you can control your energy, then you can control your day. That's how you really don't limit yourself is you've got to keep your mind open. You're not going to tell yourself I'm this way or I'm that way. It's just be open to meeting new people, to trying new things, going on adventures. And, and I think those are some of the key steps to not limit yourself. Welcome to Mental Edge Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk to experts from around the world about PTSD, financial stress, sleep, mind-body connection, addiction, depression, fitness, and more. You will hear from others who have struggled, overcame obstacles, and continue to thrive. This is where you will learn the tools and resources you need to have a healthy mind and a healthy life. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mental Edge Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gallagher. My guest today is Jason Valadeo, and Jason's bio is incredible. So I'm just going to read it for you and it's, it's it's inspiring what this guy's accomplished in his life. Jason Valadeo is a husband, father to two amazing girls, friend and colleague to many, and a family and sports medicine physician serving on active duty in the United States Navy. Before becoming a physician, he served as a naval flight officer during Operations Iraq and Enduring Freedom. During his naval career, he taught in the Department of Naval Science at the University of California, Berkeley, where he also spent three years as a faculty fellow and volunteer with the football team's coaching staff and earned a master's degree in education. Since 2009, he has served as an adjacent professor for Concordia University Irvine's master's degree program in coaching and athletic administration. And in 2017, he joined the faculty of the American Academy of Family Physicians Chief Resident Leadership Development Program, helping to develop the physician's leaders of tomorrow. His passion for leadership and personal growth led Jason to become a certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the John Maxwell team, where he coaches people on their journeys toward personal growth and development. That's a lot of stuff for one guy, and he's also an author. His newest book is Exceptional Every Day. In this episode, we're going to talk about his background and his, his story, his life's work. He's going to walk us through his daily routines, tips that people can utilize to make life easier. We're also going to talk about not limiting your capacity and a few other things that his book, Exceptional Every Day, talks about. We're going to dive into the main goal of the book and who it's geared towards and his main message to our listeners. Really pumped for you guys to listen to this one. So without further ado, I give you Dr. Jason Valadeo. So I'm sitting down with Dr. Jason Valadeo. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know it's, from what I understand, a very hectic and, and busy one. I read your bio and you are truly an incredible person, but I'm going to let you kind of speak to that, your story and your background. Like take me through childhood to now, all the careers you've had and have. Yeah, for sure. So I, I want to thank your listeners first. Thank you for bringing me on, but really thank your listeners because without them, you're not going to have a show. So, you know, I'm always grateful for that. Every podcast I've been fortunate to be on, be on now and yours is even a whole different niche. And so that's what I think is awesome. But 
I'm not a fan of bios. I hate writing something about myself. I like to learn about people. I like to watch people perform at a high level. That's why I got into what I'm doing. But uh, for me, you know, my childhood, you know, I grew up with two immigrant parents. Both were uneducated, but they both knew how to work hard. And so I had this work ethic thing put in front of me no matter what, even if they weren't able to really have that education that my friend's parents had or went to college, got their professional degrees, but I, I knew what hard work was. And so I was kind of blessed to have that. And parents who really focused on putting food on the table and having a roof over our heads was the most important thing. Uh, even if we were on food stamps, getting government programs, I mean, I, I came from that. And at an early age, at nine years old, I, I really knew, I had met someone and I thought, you know, I'm going to be a physician one day. I don't know if I have the if I was dealt the right cards to go to medical school, but that was my plan at nine years old. And I kept working hard as I could in school. And then I ended up joining the military during college. And so medical school was put on the back burner. So I went in the Navy, became a Naval officer, got to fly around the world, got to go on aircraft carriers, do all that stuff. And, and it was exciting because I got to meet people from everywhere, from all walks of life and got to really be a mentor to a lot of them, but also got mentored by a lot of people. And then finally, after 10, 11 years, I had the opportunity to go to medical school and I ended up becoming a family medicine and now a sports medicine physician. And actually, you said talking about being busy today, I really just relocated my family in the last 72 hours. We took off from Texas and where we were only for one year. So it's our second move in 12 months. And we're now in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, where I'm taking over as the medical sports medicine director for the, the Naval Academy prep school and a bunch of other little commands that are here. So I'm excited, but really that's, that's how I got to where I am today. How do you do it? Like did you, like we just talked about all the stuff you've done and you're bouncing around and in 72 hours you're here and kind of getting into a new, I guess, piece of your life, a new journey. So walk us through and we'll get into obviously your book and everything, but walk me through kind of your day and what, what are you doing that's going to keep you at like a high level of performance? Well, I think recently, and I, it was brought up on a different podcast, this, I brought up the idea of compartmentalization. And it's been something I've really been thinking about a lot lately because it was a word that was kind of introduced to me maybe 19, 20 years ago when I joined the military. And I felt like I was already living a life like that, if that's even a real word, to compartmentalize your life. I also learned from the great John Maxwell, who's a big time leadership thought leader who's written a lot of books, who I ended up training under and becoming a speaker and trainer with in his organization. But John had, had taught me about this idea of breaking your day down into these 10 to 20 minute increments, almost having a spreadsheet where you kind of build exactly 10, 20 minutes of everything that must get done in your day, the things you want to get done in your day, and then those must, must haves that maybe you can put off till tomorrow. And so I started building my life that way. And then when I got into the Navy and had to start really realizing, how do I really break this down so I can do all the things I want to do and not just the things I'm told to do? And that's where it gets really difficult. And so I I'll use that today again, this compartmentalization, which is really coming down to this idea that kind of social media is presented these days with life hacks. If you look at Tim Ferriss and ways to get a lot of things done and experiment on yourself and, and networking and meeting people, I really try to set myself up for success. And part of that has to do with getting up really early. And I know people that have listened to my other podcasts now are like, okay, he talks about that a lot, getting up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. But I really feel like in that first hour of the day, that golden hour, you can get so much done before other people are even moving. And for me, it's exercise. It's a few minutes of meditation. It's journaling for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then it's just getting ready for the day to go. And I, I find that when that first hour or two can get accomplished, the whole day is so much better. My energy levels up, how I react to people, 
if someone does something that and it makes me angry or mad, I can kind of take a, a back seat to it for a little bit and just think about it and process it. And so my greatest life hack, if anything, is to get up a little or a little earlier than usual, not just roll out of bed and go to work. So I would start our, our podcast with that today if, if we could. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say that because as I'm doing all of this, you know, lifestyle stuff and learning more about myself, getting up early is one of my biggest things and has been for a while now. I mean, there's days where sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm going to sleep in if, especially if I've accomplished everything kind of the day before the week's not looking too bad. But I found the biggest thing is I got up, I would get up early and take time to stretch. I wouldn't just open my computer and do maybe some podcast work, work for a charity school or whatever. And I would just stretch and sit there, maybe have coffee on my on my own. And then when my son wakes up, go into his room and my mindset was completely different. Instead of rolling out of bed and just going to get him half asleep, what a difference. Yeah. And, and you bring that up because then people would say, well, if you're getting up really early, are you sacrificing on your sleep? Because really sleep is probably the most important thing we have going for us in terms of recovery, in terms of mental toughness in building resilience. And, and I throw those words out there because they really are important is you can't operate you know, in your background as a firefighter, myself as an aviator, and also as a physician, you can't operate at the highest level that you have if you're not getting adequate rest. And so I love how you bring that up. And that's what I do. I get up, I have a couple glasses of water first thing, it gets everything going, the cells wake up, stretch a little bit, maybe walk outside, get everything kind of flowing. And it really does change your day. And part of that is you just might have to go to bed a little earlier, put the computer away, turn the cell phone off and and get that rest. And you could argue, is six hours enough? Is five hours enough? Do we need eight hours of sleep? There's a lot of talk going on. Me as a physician, it's something that I'm really diving in the research every day because I want to teach my patients and clients that I coach the same kind of things. Hey, sleep is important, but also getting your day started on the right foot is just as important as everything else. Where are you at kind of with that then in sleeping wise? Are you, is it still eight hours is kind of optimal? So that's what everyone's putting out. If you look at the stuff that comes out from the big organizations like Mayo Clinic and all the people that are doing the big hands down research, a lot of talk out there about eight to nine hours now. And it's pretty wild because you're like, why is that? But they're doing all this research on cognitive development, looking at things like Alzheimer's disease, dementia, people's reaction times when you're driving, looking at uh, rates of car accidents, how people are functioning in a classroom like a child. And so I still struggle uh, ever, joining, ever since joining the military, getting deployed, getting thrown off in that circadian rhythm. Um, I really strive for six to seven hours. I seem to function really well off of it. But in the back of my mind, I know that if I can get seven to eight, it's probably a lot healthier. So again, none of us are perfect. It's part of uh, what led me into this book and trying to get better, a little bit better every day. So it's something I really try to get better at. But I would say if we had to tell people seven to eight, even nine hours is really what's out there and, and what would be the healthiest. So with that, back into kind of what you're doing then, and I guess it's everyone's different. You're functioning six, seven hours. I'm probably seven, eight hours, maybe less sometimes. But again, you're doing all the other stuff to kind of help you through your day, waking up early, stretching. So what are you doing? Like when you say journaling, uh, and I'm big on that as well, what kind of things are you writing down? Like three things that you hope to accomplish in the day, three things about yourself? Like what is it? So I actually, you know, for me, journaling is a little different. I actually keep a running to-do list and I update that every week. I add to it daily as things come up. So I have a, a to-do list on a sticky little chart that goes in my journal at the front page. But then I journal each day on a different topic. So for instance, because we were moving into a new environment this past few days, I was thinking about how if we think of everything that we need to do, we get overwhelmed. But if we do the one thing that we need to do, we make progress. That was my topic yesterday. 
And I started just flowing with that. And I write about a whole page on that idea. And to give you a couple examples, so a couple days ago, my topic for my journal entry that day was gracious, curious, and humble. And I thought that those three words that day, gracious, curious, and humble, were like three keys to life. And then I wrote about what those words meant to me. And I thought if we can be gracious and grateful for what we have, especially when we wake up in the morning, if we can always be curious about what's out there, have an open mind, and if we can remain humble no matter how successful we become or what people at least think we're successful, and that was my topic for the day. And, and so I come up with a different thing. I just start free writing. And then usually at night before I go to bed, not every night perfectly, but you know, I, I try to be pretty consistent. I'll write about three things I was grateful for for that day, meeting somebody new, an email I received, someone who was able to get me from being a little bit angry to putting a smile on my face, maybe something my child did at her violin practice or something like that. And so it's just kind of a flowing mindset to keep me mindful of what I'm really after. So keeping with these life hacks, how are you balancing this? Like in terms of you've got kids and so what are you doing? Are you putting the phone away? Like what is it? (laughs) I love that you bring that up because I think that the key is everybody says, well, how do you achieve life balance and not get burnt out? And I'm going to be very honest with you. This comes up a lot in the coaching clients. I have people who meet me because they do say, hey, how do you get an hour to exercise? How do you get all your meals prepped where you're not eating out and you're eating healthy? You're always you know, on time for work. You're doing this other stuff on the side. You've got a wife and two kids. You're going to their sports things. Well, and you wrote a book. And so for me, it's not, it's not really about balance. It's really putting the thing together and calling it work-life fusion or work-self-life. I think if you take those three things and you combine them, it's really what life comes down to. I don't look at my work life being separate from my home life. And what I mean by that, because that can sound unhealthy, is that you should leave work at work. Well, I do. I don't bring the work stuff home, but it's stuff I get excited about. So I'm able to kind of reflect on it. I don't talk to my wife about, oh, well, here's what happened at the office today. It was really bad. But I, talk, I try to always bring up the positive sides. Hey, there was this young 18-year-old athlete that rolled her ankle and she was really scared because now her season might be over. And it's a great talking point that I can elaborate on and how I helped her. That's just one example. Or how someone reached out to me through my website because they read about a chapter in my book and they're like, that chapter really stuck with me and I think it's going to change my life. And so I really try to fuse them together. I involve my children and my wife in the things I care about, but I also involve myself in the things that matter to them. And so I don't think you can ever really be balanced. The pendulum is not perfect because one day your energy might be here and the next day your energy might be in the tank. And so what I talk to people about is not really managing your time, but managing your energy level. And the way to do that is to get good sleep, to be mindful of the things you care about, and also doing things like exercise and eating right. And, and that's what you can do. You can control the amount of energy you have. And if you can control your energy, then you can control your day. I think that's a great way of looking at it and it really changes your thought process because if you focus on that really hammering home balance, 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 and you don't have it, let's say on a particular day, your whole mindset can be shot. Well, I didn't spend this much time doing this and I didn't get this done. It's, so it's an interesting way you look at it. My biggest thing is when people say I don't have time for stuff, I just want to, and I did a, I did like a nine minute like kind of podcast on it which will air soon it's one of these new things i'm trying to do oh, with cool. podcasts yeah just basically the importance of time and i read an article or kind of that was that i found interesting and i take the key points from it but really what it comes down to is the whole time piece is really it's just not a priority for yes. people and that's okay and i just want people to say like instead of going i don't have time to listen to your podcast no it just doesn't interest you right now <laughs> exactly. priority. you don't like what i have to say and that's fine yeah. and that that in itself is a whole different thing but it kind of no, plays I- into what you're saying 
No, I love how you say that because I even tell people, and it's kind of funny, I, get, I think I'm in such a ritualistic habit that when I tell people that my podcast is out, whether it's through Facebook, my website, Instagram, I always say in there because I know time is such a big deal. I say, hey, by the way, if you download it, you can change the speed and you can listen to it at one and a half speed or two speed. And I feel like you'll even learn it better because you'll be focused. So instead of 30 minutes, you get 10 and a half or whatever. And one way when I wrote this book, and you'll see when you looked at it, I talk about how we have 86,400 seconds in a day. And if you look at it that way, where it's such a big number, you're like, wow, we have that much time, even though it's the same as 24 hours or 60 minutes in an hour. But we really do have a lot of time if we do it right. And yes, there's going to be days where we're stuck at the office for 12 hours, 14 hours. The car breaks down on the freeway, the house, I mean, something can happen. It's part of life, but it's getting back the next day. It's not having pity on yourself because one bad day happened. It's like, it's making up for it the next day and the week after and the year later. We don't have to accomplish everything today. Absolutely. That 86,000 has come up quite a bit. Uh, Jeremy Scott, who's a fitness guy who came on, big fitness guy. That's his big, one of his big things that he talks about in his book. And that goes for anything, right? Like eating, healthy eating. You fall off yeah. the wagon one meal, just, you know, okay. don't write off the day. It's the same thing I, I talk to patients about. It's like you eat one bad meal out of 10. It's okay. You're 90% still. Yeah. So. That's, that's a good way to look at that. So let's shift focus for a second because one of your talking points, don't limit your capacity. Yeah, I love it. What does that mean? Ah, so that's great. So one of the, you know, I, I'm not going to take credit completely for that. It's something I've thought about for a long time, but one of my mentors, John Maxwell, he, he had written a book, No Limits, and that's kind of his focus there is this whole capacity thing that we put limits on ourselves. We tell ourselves that we can only get so far in life. We can't become this because we came from this family. We can't go off and be an astronaut at NASA because I just, that's not who I am. Or, you know, we, we don't want to reach for the stars anymore. We want to be okay with average. And that's fine, but that's where my issue lies is I, I'm the school of thought where we applaud mediocrity too much. We don't try to strive to be better. And it's not about me being on the pedestal, me getting the gold medal. It's that I don't want to teach my kids and other people that are developing themselves that you should stop somewhere. There's no like, I'm the CEO of this company, so I'm done. And if you look at the great people out there, even if people don't like them, but you look at people like Jeff Bezos who started Amazon. He started this thing in his garage and he's a CEO and he's made a lot of money, but that's not how his success is defined. It's not by his money. It's about what he's been able to do for so many other people. There's now people who could never get out to a grocery store or couldn't because they lived somewhere else. They couldn't drive two hours to go to a mall. They can now order things online and that's good and bad. Uh, but I use him as an example. I look at people like Steve Jobs with Apple and what they did to kind of connect people. Uh, there's always goods and bads with that. But those people right there and then different presidents of the United States have looked at, you can't limit yourself. Athletes do that every day. I mean, these guys are trying to switch teams now. You look at someone like LeBron James and how he's always striving to try and be better, to go somewhere where he can grow himself and personally develop. That's what I mean by that is that you should not limit your potential. And I used to hate that word potential because I thought we used it so much like, oh, you have all this potential. But if you're not really looking at it that way, if you're looking at how can I get myself to do more, that's what I mean by that is this, there's no ceiling. The sky really is the limit. We can keep going. And, and really it goes into why I called it exceptional every day was that I want people to think about getting a little bit better at something in their life each and every day. How do we avoid limiting our capacity then? Yeah. So part of it is, I think there's a couple of things that we, we stop ourselves at. I, I talked to someone recently who had read my book and she's in her mid fifties. I used to work with her. She sent me a text message and she said, Jason, it's the first time I've read a book from cover to cover since I graduated high school. And if you look at the statistics, 
in the United States under it's, it's over 70% of people or more. If I read, if I read it right, have not read a book again since they left high school, 70%. And, and I'm talking even an audio book or something where you're learning, watching a YouTube video, watching a TEDx or something. There's always something we can learn. So my number one way is to, is to keep learning that you should be learning. I read a story recently about an 80 year old lady who went back to college at 80 because when, when she grew up, she had to stop going to school at 11th grade to take care of the family. Then she had her own family and then she died at 84. But the idea was she kept learning and personal development, personal growth. It never stops. We are given this life until the very end. We should make use of it. We shouldn't be pristine when the end comes. We should be rough and beat up. Like we put ourselves through the ringer to actually make a difference. And so keep learning, uh, keep reading. And, and I think one of the biggest things is in having an open mind. That's how you really don't limit yourself is you've got to keep your mind open. You're not going to tell yourself I'm this way or I'm that way. It's just be open to meeting new people, to trying new things, going on adventures. And, and I think those are some of the key steps to not limit yourself. With that not limiting yourself, there's so many options out there too. You know, if, if I love to read books, but I'm, I'm big on like podcasts yeah, um, big, that's just an, an easy tool to learn. And I like to just, when I hear stuff on a podcast that I like, or I, I go and I maybe write it down and by, you know, the end of the month or whatever, I have a huge list of potential books or potential people I just want to read about and research. But, you know, and using that whole, well, I don't have time to read a book. There's so much more that we can access now with technology to listen to a book. And that growth piece is so important for people. It's kind of and in work too. My line of work, uh, we, you know, we train, we have to train to be better. So I look at signing up to be an instructor of a discipline at work as a learning step to learn that skill better and teach it. So the best way for me to learn something is become a teacher of it. Exactly. I, I always preach that, especially in medicine and with my two little girls, I always talk about if you really know something, you can teach it. That's it. That's the people that have mastered it are the ones that should be teaching because then they know it. And you can tell right away if someone doesn't know the material. And if they didn't study it and, and as a, as a professor or a teacher of sorts, you want to provide that info for your students. And so you want to know it. And, and I think the key to that is that you have to keep learning. I'm a sports med doc, but new stuff is coming out every day. And so I've got to keep learning or in my family medicine background, I've got to know if there's new medications for diabetes and high blood pressure and anxiety and depression, because it's a continual, it just keeps moving. And, and so those things are all really important. Absolutely. So what, what is your, cause you've mentioned a few times, you know, having a mentor, being a mentor, and yeah. it's something that I, like we talked about just kind of off air was I have now to help me along with this, like podcast side of things I'm getting, I have basically a business mentor, I guess you could call them. What, what do you think about the importance of finding someone to kind of mentor you and coach you? Well, I think where I got, where I kind of really fell into this was when I, my mentors, when I was 16, 17 and living in my truck for a year in high school, my mentors are the people I was reading about. So people like Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich or The Law of Success, uh, John Maxwell. I mean, I could name so many for you. Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Books were really, I had these, and, and people like how I put it out there, but you have direct mentors, like you and I talking to each other, mentoring one another through this. Then you have your indirect mentors, people you've never met that have a huge impact on you. Those are mentors. You're learning from them. You're reading about them. So I teach people about having a direct mentor, an indirect mentor. And, and even, it goes even a step further. You should, if you have the ability and you have a mouth and you can ask people for help, you can have mentors in different parts of your life. You could have a personal growth mentor. You could have a mentor who teaches you about real estate, a mentor who has been doing the firefighting for 30 years that you can look to. 
you can have a mentor who's raised kids and maybe they're a good father or a good mother. Uh, so there's mentors in these different in these different avenues. And I think having multiple mentors is really the key of what you're going to be able to do in your life. We, I hate when people say this guy's a self-made millionaire because nobody is self-made. They learn something from someone and I get what they mean, you know, but it, it frustrates me because I'm like, wait a minute, that guy's made billions, but he didn't just do it on his own. There's a little bit of luck involved. There's a lot of people to thank and you'll see that no one goes up for a speech one day as a CEO or president and, and doesn't thank the people that helped them get there. I, I think that's where it's incredible. But mentors, I've tried to come up with my own idea of how I could create this mentorship app and all these things because I feel like there's so many people out there that just needs, need some kind of mentor for something. We all do. And I look for them every day. Every new environment I'm in, I'm like, hey, that person could be someone good. And it's not about asking them for help and bothering them because, you know, you want them to invest in you, but you really just, you just want to get their knowledge. And, and I think that's where the key comes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to look at people like that. And, and I didn't even, I didn't think of that indirect and direct link. That's really interesting. So before, actually, before we get into your book, uh, Exceptional Every Day, I just wanted to ask you, what's kind of your take on failure? Uh, great topic. So, Failure is like the key of what Exceptional Every Day is about. Even though it doesn't say it on there, and really my premise or elevator speech is that I want to help people design the life that they want, not what's given to them. So failure is something I do a lot of talks on, and I'm actually trying to build a new keynote on that. But it's, it's this thing of we're going to fail every single day. The key is the people that actually can get to the next point that they want to get to on their journey or their plan or their vision – is they learn from that failure and they don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And it, it goes to Einstein's famous quote that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's like the epitome of failure. And so you have to be okay with failure. You should accept failure as a learning point and things aren't going to be perfect. And if you look at all the great things that have happened in the world from, from the beginning of time, like there's been failures, like this doesn't work. We try this, this doesn't work. We try this. And so if people can get on the idea of that you should fail forward, that it's not really a step back, that it's actually propelling you to that next thing. And you talk to entrepreneurs, you talk to inventors, they tried a hundred different things before that one thing stuck. And so, you know, I wish, I wish I could really get it into people's minds that failing is okay, that you shouldn't beat yourself up too much. You should give yourself feedback and you should accept feedback from others when they give you some positive criticism, even if it's not perfect that, Hey, I can learn from this. I can now move forward and make this a little better. I can be a little tighter on the details. I can be more specific. I can compartmentalize my life a little bit more because I realize I don't have enough time to get all these things done and I want to do all these things. And so failing should be something that we actually accept and want almost more than anything because it's, we know that it's going to lead us to the, those great things. We let that, I think, the failure piece way too much uh, creep into our lives and like you said, that's something you're really trying to push people to like accept it. And it, it kind of falls in with those, you know, excuses. So the, like the excuse of fear, people are, are afraid to fail. So they don't try things. But if they took a step back and looked at the stuff that's been developed over time, you know, in technology, let's say, people had to fail to be able to design these things that we're using, these cell phones, these computers. Exactly. And, a lot, and John Taffer uh, talks a lot about uh, excuses and stuff. That's kind of where I pull that fear, fear oh, stuff from. Yeah. So let's jump into this book then, Exceptional Every Day. I know you touched on it with the failure stuff. So why did you name it Exceptional Every Day? Yeah, so really 
my key, and I, I talked about this a little bit before, was that I, I really wanted something that would kind of catch people's eyes in terms of, we know we're not going to be perfect. We know we're not going to be exceptional all the time. But I thought if we could put that in our minds, it's almost like you believe what you see, you believe what you do. You start working out every morning, you start eating right, you start seeing results. You're like, wow, this really can happen. And so my idea was that we can always get better. And, and that's frustrating for a lot of people. It's like, no, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. It's going to take too long. But pick something out that you're not happy about with yourself. For me, it's always been self-confidence, being able to speak in front of people. And because when I was younger, I was very shy. Even though I played sports, that was really my only outlet. And so I was always afraid to be in front of people. I don't know if it was embarrassment for me because of the family I came from, those kind of things. But I still struggle with it. No one believes it. I feel like I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. Everybody thinks I'm not. So I wanted something that would kind of propel that and, and that we should always strive to get better. And, and that's really where that came from or that kind of idea. And then, you know, just work from other people giving me some feedback on what really my big topic was and how I write about the process and discovering your why and how to put those together. And really, I, I was trying to find this way of what's a great way to tie this together that can get people to understand that the time to be significant is now, not 30 years from now. The time to do what you want is now. You might not be able to every day because you have to put food on the table, but start taking those things you're passionate about and intertwining them with the work you're doing and see if you can kind of build those together. And, and it just kind of developed. So you mentioned uh, the significance piece. So like, how can we be significant then in our lives? Yeah, that's, you know, that's great because that's, that's something that I really, people ask me that all the time and they, cause they feel like, well, I can't be significant until I'm older, until I've lived my life and put money in the bank. And, and I used to think that I was in my twenties, thirties. I missed out on a lot of things because I just kept saving I just didn't really put myself out there. And then I started realizing that, you know what, we only get one chance. We don't know if we're even going to be here tomorrow. And so we've got to start making an impact now. And so I look at my significance at the age I'm at now, writing the book, being in the military, every interaction I have with someone, especially if it's a sailor or Marine in the military or people that I'm mentoring through my website, coaching clients I have, I can really be significant in so many ways. I might be able to steer them in the right direction of the career they're looking for. I might be able to write them a letter of recommendation. I go and volunteer at the church or I go and do a beach cleanup. And there's so many things that you can do to leave your mark. And I think the key is that you shouldn't look at what you're getting from society. You should always give more back to society. And it's going to take a lot of work. You know, I, people come and they're like, wow, I want to do what you do. I want to write a book now. I've had so many people go, I'm going to write a book now. And it's pretty funny because my wife will say to me, she's like, do they realize how much work it is and that you did it while you're also becoming a doctor and doing these other things? And, and I don't really pat myself on the back for it because I looked at it as just part of my day that I was able to do it. But really the key there is that people, you know, they want to get somewhere, but they don't necessarily want to put the work in for it. And so to be significant, you also got to put the work in and you might have to donate more of your time when it's your day off. You might have to pick a Saturday out of the month to go spend eight hours working, helping out at a nursing home or helping out at a fundraising event for something. There are so many ways to be significant. If you type it into Google, it'll, how to be significant, there's all kinds of ways. And, and it can be as simple as one of my recent blogs where I talk about how 30 seconds can change someone's life and how you could meet someone on the street that you've never met before and you smile at them and you start a conversation and how what you tell them could really set the rest of their day and it could propel them forward. So, so many different ways. I love that. So another piece too that I hear I hear you talk about quite a bit on on a few other podcasts that I listen to you on, and and it's also in your book. The importance of is it who's sitting at your table? Oh yeah, yeah. This is 
I'm sure people are, some people are probably getting tired of it, but it's been the, it's been the topic of choice. I would say, and I say this over and over of all the chapters that I wrote, I've gotten more feedback, more things on LinkedIn, Instagram, my website about that chapter. Why do you it's, think? You know, I think it's because people have not taken the time to sit back and go, wow, this person's really been a drain in my life. They're narcissistic or they're holding me back or they're telling me not to do this. And that could be your own family members, unfortunately. That could be some of your good best friends. That could be colleagues at work. People try to pull us in different directions. And when that happens, we get sucked into what everyone else wants and we lose sight of ourselves. It's not being conceited when you decide not to go out at night to a party or go watch a game with your, with your buddies, as long as you're balancing those things and they know that you care and say, hey, I really need to go to my kid's function at school tonight, not go out with you guys and have a drink. And it's finding where that balance is. But really, I think what's opened people's eyes is like, wow, this person's been sucking a lot of time out of my life and energy for the past five years. And that's really the comments I get. I'll get, wow, I need to sit and reevaluate my table right now. Those four people that are closest to me. And, you know, we talk about this and I know you've heard it before. Tell me who your five closest friends are and I don't even need to meet you. I can figure out who you are. And I use that because it's really those personalities that you're attracted to. But, you know, that chapter really has gotten a lot. I'm trying to build some videos for it, some other ones that are really kind of help people evaluate where they are. And it doesn't mean that you have to say goodbye to all your friends. Terry Crews, who's an actor, played football before, loved the guy because that's really where he was getting interviewed by, by Tim Ferriss. And he was, he was talking about this exact kind of thing. And then a pastor that I worked with kind of brought this idea up too. So I kind of put it together. And it's really that, hey, buddy, you're still my friend. I still want you in my life, but I've got to kind of separate us a little bit. And, just, and, and that's where it gets hard. And that's not going to be easy. It's not the same for everybody, but I think really the significance is you've got to determine who needs to have your attention right now from your family, your friends, your colleagues at work, who needs you in the room, who needs to be sitting at your table, having dinner with you, talking to you about your day. And yes, it has gotten a lot of attention. I'm glad you brought it up. Is it in a, is it in a way like surround yourself with like-minded people? Yeah. So I think it's a balance though, because if you get too like-minded, then the problem is you get groupthink, right? So you're not getting enough people that are open-minded, but, but I know what you mean. I think another, maybe a, a twist on your words would be maybe same value system. And so, cause like-minded, we could think the same way about a certain topic and then all of a sudden all of us think that way. And so, yeah, like-minded, nurturing, caring, humble, people that are curious, people that have the traits that you have. And they're also, I like to say this, I know it's hard cause this isn't something that was talked about when you and I were kids but people that maybe have some kind of emotional intelligence, something that can benefit everybody in the group and that you really would look up to someone that you would say, Hey, if I spend two hours with this person today, I'm never going to regret it. I'm going to be so happy that I did. Even if something bad happens, like I'm glad I spent time. Like today I'm like, I told you at the beginning, I'm truly grateful that we connected and that we're able to sit here. I will. I look at this as, as anything. I've got 20 things going on today, but this was like the most important hour of my day. So well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was, this one, I was, I'm always excited to talk to people as, and learn from people. But when I got your info from Emily, I was really, really excited because the stuff you're talking about and, and your book, I'm like, this is right up my alley. And, and I haven't read it yet. I'm going to be completely honest with you, but Emily's actually uh, mailing me a copy. Awesome. Okay. And good. Will jump right to the top of my <laughs> list that I told you about earlier of, of books and podcasts and things to listen to. So I guess if people don't, get a chance, let's say to read your yeah. book or, but they, you know, they, they hear you on different podcasts and things and they hear you on this one. What would your main message be to people? 
so my main message is that I really want to give people an opportunity to reevaluate their life, look at their priorities, think about how they can get just a little bit better in certain things and kind of some main points I would say today, especially because I don't expect everyone to go out and buy the book. I'm actually working on an audio book now because I know a lot of people will benefit from listening like you brought up earlier. Someone said, hey, you should read the book yourself because I feel like when I read it, I'm hearing you read the book. And that was an awesome feedback for me. And I'm like, well, it's another investment, but I know it's going to help people. And that's everyone from people who are driving in cars every day to get to work, commuting, maybe someone who can't see or doesn't like to read or has dyslexia, all kinds of reasons. So I'm like, wow, I can really touch a lot more people. But my main points today for people that may have not read the book or are looking for some kind of focus, and we'll get to some other stuff because I have a lot of free resources on the website. But number one, appreciate where you are right now. Chapter one of my book is it's all about you. How if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Number, and, and really focusing on you, looking in the mirror, deciding if, who you are and that you're ready to grow, that you're eager to make positive change. And also talking about looking at your table, those people that you surround yourself with. And then really, you've got to come up with a plan, come up with a vision for your life. Because my overall theme is that I really want people to design the life that they want. Uh, I structured the book that way where there are questions at the end of every chapter to help you reflect and then direct you onto the next chapter and then onto your path and, and really create it as a guide so people could come back to it. Maybe read it once through, kind of get the flavor of it, take notes, but then keep it in your office where you can go, wow, this is what I thought six months ago and this is where I'm at today. And you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed that a lot of podcasts have happened in the last three months and I'm getting a lot of good feedback because I'm trying to bring up different topics in the different podcasts that kind of come out of the book. And so I, I think we're, we're kind of getting people in the right direction of having that mindset of growth and how there's so much out there for all of us to try and do. I think too, with and I, like I said, I'm really, really genuinely excited to read your book, but it's the type of book, uh, and you had mentioned it, you can, you can pick it up and just go back to it, which is so important, uh, I think, especially in, in the self-care stuff and personal growth, and that's what, what your book's all about. And I can tell you, I've only, you know, we connected over email, and then I've just talked to you probably been, what, whatever, 40 minutes, but you're, you're somebody I, I would want at my table. Your energy is contagious. You're very inspiring. Like 70, 72 hours you mentioned of go, go, go. And here you are talking to me like you, you've been doing nothing and relaxing and stuff because you're so energetic. It's, it's just landed, crazy. man. We drove 2,000 miles over the last seven days and we, we try to get moved into a house. We're in a hotel for the past three, four weeks. And we're just, this is part, but this is part of the life that we have. And, and I know that if you want to make a difference in people's lives, you've got to look at that. You can't say, oh, I got to put this off. And you do have to make tough decisions. Sometimes you got to decide, hey, is this, is this something I need to do right now or do I need to pass on this opportunity? But as my wife says, the, she says, the best thing that I do for my two girls is I always preach. I want them to keep reading and learning at seven and nine years old when they get frustrated. Dad, I don't want to do this today. It's summertime. I'm like, yes, but these 15 minutes will help you have opportunities in the future. I want them to have choices. And, and that's really what this is about. And so I was, I was great that we got connected and excited to be here with your podcast and your people and you know, just, just a great thing. Yeah. And everything like, like people will hear this and they'll hear your bio. And I know you're not a fan of the bio stuff is obviously acknowledge you that it, for the stuff you've accomplished, but also from what I'm, the vibe I'm getting first and foremost, your family outlook. And you seem like a very big family oriented guy. And that is, I think first and foremost, the most important thing, no matter what you've accomplished and going to accomplish the love and the way you talk about your family is, is really inspiring. So, well, you know, I appreciate that because I feel like uh, I've met so many people that told me if they could go back and fix their life again, especially in their fifties and sixties, 
professionals mostly that said, Hey, I just, I didn't spend time with my kids. I was chasing the money. I chased the job. And that's why burnout is so prevalent now in tons of professions, very prevalent in the medical profession because of going through residency training where you work 80, 90 hours a week or more. And it's just, it was one of those things that meant a lot to me that I said, at the end of the day, if I'm not there to be there for my two girls, then someone could always look at me and say like, wow, you wrote a book and you did all these things. You became a doctor, you flew airplanes, you did all these things. You work with professional athletes, but you never spent time with your kids. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, I, I, it's just not who I am. I felt like there was no reason to become a father if I wasn't going to be involved. I was on a great podcast, uh, Military Veteran Dad with Ben Colloy. And it was just one of those where we, he focuses on that kind of stuff, like helping, especially not just veterans, it's really for everyone, but that's where he came from because he's a vet himself. But really the importance of, family and especially being a father or a mother and that and what you have to offer and yeah my wife and I need to get better we're not we're not so good at uh, having a babysitter come because my wife doesn't trust a lot of people but uh you know I think we need to find a way to make that work in the next couple years because we've sacrificed a lot where we're like we're always with the kids but it's it's that balance again And, and even though that's not the perfect word of the day it's trying to find out but for me yes I mean that you get one chance to raise these kids it's not you didn't have them for someone else to raise them So I know we're going off on a different tangent, but it's a topic that's near and dear to me. No, it's so important. That's why I kind of pointed it out too, because all of the stuff you're doing, there there will be people that go, well, how does he have time to, you know, and you can, you can make like the kids come first and everything else falls into place and taking care of a lot of people say, I got to do it for my kids. But if you do things for yourself in turn, everything will fall into place for your kids. And, And I take them, I mean, like they're very excited with this new position that I have because they get to come all these Naval Academy prep school games now and they get to be involved. And, and so I really try and then we focus on the things they need to get done, but just trying to incorporate them and show them that there's a lot of things out there in life. That, and, and so, yeah, it's great that we talked about it. Yeah, it's awesome. So where can we find you on social media? I know you were talking about it's kind of a new Yeah, I'm still world figuring plan. it out. <laughs> well, I've had my actual website for about two years where I just started blogging. And then the book came out three months ago. And so my website is just my first name, last name, jasonvaladeo.com or J-A-S-O-N-V-A-L-A-D-A-O.com on that website. And I direct people there because that's really where everything is. I'm, I'm building it into a, basically a forum where people can come and download things, everything from health and wellness things like diets, um, yeah, nutrition, physical therapy type exercises, mindfulness, meditation type things. And then I also have a lot of free resources from the book. I took some of the, the pictures that we have, the mind maps in the book, uh, the process map, took those things so people could download those for free. Uh, there are links to buy the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 800 CEO Read if you're looking to buy it for like a group of 10 people or 20 for your organization. I'm finding that that's been a big pickup that people are now getting it for groups of people so they can talk about it. It's kind of a mind uh, a mastermind group type thing and book like projects, personal growth type stuff. So going to the website, I've got Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, other ways. I've got a lot of videos on the website as well. We made videos, the publisher and I for the book. So that's one way to, to look at it. If you're interested in just kind of figuring it out, you can read the first chapter or two on, on Amazon for free. There is the, the ebook or the Kindle edition that we're starting to get picked up on. We gave about six, uh, I think we gave, Greenleaf and I, we gave away 600 Kindles when we first came out because like I said, we're just trying to get the word out there. It wasn't about really, and I, and like I said, I have a ton of over 100 free PDFs on the website. Uh, there's books, I talk about books that people should read, recommended books, those things, all kinds of stuff. I just want to help people and, and really the book is the least of my, I know you're not supposed to say that when you're trying to sell a book, but it really is. I told a publisher from day one, if I sell one book, that's enough. 
And so that's really what I'm after is just getting the material in people's hands to change their lives. Man, I hope people, I hope people take a look at your stuff, read the book and maybe even reach out to you and we'll plug all of that in our show notes on, yeah, on our sure. different channels. Of course, my last question for you that I ask everybody, what moment of adversity are you most grateful for today? Yeah. So I've, you know, I've had a lot and I think that's what's gotten me to where I am. But I would say that May 1st, 1996, I'm really a big person on dates. I don't know why they get stuck in my mind so easy, but uh, that was the day I started living in my truck. And I lived in my truck for 10 months and 10 days. And I started journaling that night in front of the big blue Pacific ocean. I just started writing. And I thought about how if I didn't make a conscious decision that day, my making point, if you will, that I could go down a really bad path. I could have started drinking, doing drugs, end up in my hometown of 5,000 people where I was just doing a job that I didn't want to do. And what's crazy is that most of my friends now from high school that are reading the book, seeing stuff on social media that I didn't see for 20 years, I never knew you lived in your truck. Like you could have lived at my house. My parents would have helped you out. Like, and I, I really stayed to myself. And uh, that, those 10, 10 months really changed everything. I mean, I was going to school, still getting good grades varsity or captain of the varsity basketball team working but really being on my own living in the cab of my truck sleeping eating I mean it really just changed everything I thought about how like you open a sliding glass door and you can go right or left and so like I made that decision and luckily I think I got on the right path and now I'm able to make a difference in a lot of people's lives well I'm certainly glad you got on the right path and I think that's a perfect spot to leave this and I hope we can talk again. And I've said it a bunch through this podcast interview, you're very inspiring and resilient and your message is going to help and impact a lot of people's lives. So again, I encourage people to check you out on social media, get your book and just keep growing yourself and doing what you're doing because you, like a lot of people I'm talking to, have the ability to change some people's lives. So I thank you for that. And I'm, I really am grateful that uh, I got to sit down with you. Yeah, thanks again. That's it for me on Mental Edge Lifestyle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Jason Valadeo. Thank you for joining us today on the Mental Edge Lifestyle Podcast. If you know someone who can benefit from being part of our community, share this episode with them so they too can continue to grow and sharpen their mental edge. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to listen. We would love to hear from you. Connect with us at mentaledge.ca. And until next time, remember, healthy mind, healthy life.